Today's episode is with my friend Shane Fennessy. You may recognize him from episodes past. If you're a long-time listener, you will maybe recognize his name from episode 8 of The Lifestyle Chase. And so if you're looking to find out more about him, I encourage you to check that out. Um, you can find it by going to thelifestylechase.podbean.com because only the most recent 100 episodes display on most uh, common podcast platforms such as iTunes and Spotify. A little bit more about him before we really dive in is that he is the host of a podcast of his own called City of Champions Podcast in which you can find an episode where I got to be on his show and we got to kind of talk about my my entry into the industry. Um, It was right at the start of me working at a private gym um, just before it ended up closing down. And so it's kind of some cool backstory. You can find that by going to cityofchampions.podbean.com or just searching City of Champions on most major podcast platforms. A little bit more about Shane is he is a film producer. And so he has had a role in Bisbing, um, which is a documentary. He's had a role in Connor McDavid, whatever it takes, over a barrel. Inmate number one, The Rise of Danny Trejo. Hopefully I didn't butcher that. Um, the Bailey Experience, Making Coco, The Grant Fuhrer Story. There's a lot of cool stuff that he's been up to, and he's a very smart individual who likes to read books. So what you're going to get from this episode is a lot about personal development, about routine, about optimism, about uh, just taking on challenges and proving people are wrong. He's a good dude. Listen to this one. We'll see you at the end. Welcome to The Lifestyle Chase, Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at Yeg Fitness. Welcome to episode 114 with my good friend Shane Fennessy. How are you doing today? Dude, I'm great and you're doing better because you're already on 114. That's insane. Well, it's it's kind of funny when I say that because I think I counted up the total episodes because I've been doing the daily ones and when it comes to total, this will be 221. Dude, I'm super proud of you. That's awesome. I remember like I think I was like 30 in when you started and now you've You've leapfrogged over me by a good margin, so congrats. Well, thank you. Well, I mean, a little bit of like backstory is like your your podcast is the first one that I ever got to be on, and I think if I remember correctly, it was like episode fifty two, mm-hmm. um, and then I had you on my podcast for the first time on my episode eight, and that was like the second month of the podcast. I think it was October two thousand eighteen, so it's exciting to bring people back and get to see how life has changed and my interviewing has changed and yeah life life is so different what are the top three things that are different about your life right now right now okay so first and foremost obviously not getting to the gym and i mean anyone i'm sure most people listen to your podcast that's a big one for them uh it it was an adjustment period to be honest with you like um you're trying to work out at home with bands, little kettlebells, like not much weight um, for where I'm used to living kind of heavier and lower reps. So that was a huge change. And I even started running. 
for the first time since probably like grade 12 gym class. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it's, it, it's been interesting, but you know what? It's like, it's refreshing in a sense. Cause it's like, okay, well, A, I'm not paying for the gym every month, which is kind of nice, but B like you're feeling a little more functional, a little bit more active. And it's like, it forces you to like think versus just kind of staying on autopilot, which I'm sure, you know, can happen when you've been going to the gym for a long time. Yeah. Number two, what's different for me? Number two, um, honestly, like I work from home, right? So when I'm doing the film stuff, uh, I just, I'm, I'm at the table in the, in the dining room or I'm on the, the kitchen bar working. So that's not really different, but what's different is like the whole world around us has kind of shut down. So we've got three great projects we're trying to pitch right now, but nobody's taking pitches. None of the broadcasters, none of the streaming platforms. Like we were supposed to be down in LA in March to meet with like Netflix and Showtime and Amazon. And that was going to be like my first big trip with, uh, and meetings with broadcasters like that. Uh, but obviously we've had to postpone it. So that's kind of, that's number two is like the uncertainty of what's going to come. Like we're ready to go. We just need other people to kind of get, get their acts together as well. And number three, honestly, like one and two are the biggest life changes for me. I'd say number three, like just reading more, which is, which is probably the biggest positive of this whole thing for me. You know, I, I, I'm a big reader and now instead of reading 45 minutes to an hour a day, I get to read, you know, a couple hours if I'm lucky, three hours sometimes if I don't have much to do. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, going into this episode is kind of cool because the last person I talked to before you was our mutual friend, Dean Guido. And yeah. it was a good chat. He felt like he was kind of prepared for this pandemic because it's like his lifestyle didn't have to change so much. He's still he's equipped with everything he needs to work out um his work life is fairly similar and there is a little bit of uh like everybody feels that that shift when social dynamics change when you're not able to get together for family get-togethers as you normally would or when you're not able to like hug a stranger or high five somebody at the gym like those things kind of stack up um is there anything that stands out to you with that experience for yourself just in terms of like a little bit more social isolation yeah um, I guess like, yeah, I'm really missing like that, you know, cause I work part-time at local on Jasper Ave as well. So that was really like, that was really my social time getting to go there and, and bartend. Like that was when I didn't have to think about the film stuff, didn't have to think about the gym. It was just like there, I could, you know, make a little money. I could chat with some people, make some good connections. So I, I'm definitely missing that. Now that being said, the actual physical interactions, I'm noticing like a lot more, a lot more phone calls, a lot more Skype calls, a lot more texting with people, DMing. Like it's just, it's it's nice to know that like there's other people feeling the same way. And so I think people like are more apt to text back. You know, some people like a lot of people are bad to get a text and they look at it and they'll respond a day later. And it's like you kind of have those once a day communications, but now people are back and forth. And then it's like, oh, like what are you doing right now? It's like not much. Okay, let's hop on a call. So I, I've spent a lot more time talking to my like childhood friends back in Vancouver, um, which is nice. And so, I mean, you know, we're all dealing with it in different ways. Uh, but for me, like, I really think two things, like my two big things with this whole isolation pandemic issue is like, number one, try to do something every day that like makes tomorrow a better day. So just focus like a couple days at a time and like try and pick one big thing every week that's going to make next week even better for you. Because as soon as I start thinking long term, 
that's when the anxiety starts to kind of set in when I'm thinking like, man, this could be three months, six months, a year. Like that's when I kind of get down on myself. Um, so those like little incremental chunks and like trying to find like one positive thing that you can do. And then the other thing too, number two is like, for me, it's, um, try and like find at least one positive from this. For me, it's reading more and really like hold on to that, like really nurture that. Um, because if you can keep that in front of mind, then the rest will seem a little secondary. Yeah, no, that's a great outlook. And I mean, I can really see eye to eye with you on that. It's kind of, a how you're taking in each day individually is going to make for a much better outcome than if you are really taking in the entire thing as a whole and just letting that uh, toss you to the ground. Like, certainly this could be a very long-term thing, but lots of obstacles could be a very long-term thing. So we could just make the most of it. And like, I think that whole, like, cause essentially if you don't have like that drive or that work ethic to create these projects and create these proposals, they, they don't happen. And so you can apply that in any scenario, like the, the environment is different, like, uh, businesses and how they are functioning are different, but it doesn't mean that your application can't be honed in or worked on, or, um, you can try different applications of the, the same thing. Like, fitness is still a thing film production is still a thing it just looks different now mm -hmm. i think like and i'm not an expert on other people's businesses by any means but i think you need to not be married to your to your particular like process or product like you have to really be married to like the philosophy behind your business so like for us like we typically do like big feature documentaries but now like if we can't get the budgets that we normally that we normally like well, maybe we need to start thinking of doing like smaller scale things like instead of doing a 75 or 90 minute feature doc maybe we're doing like 10 minute webisodes so like where we're just like pick a topic every episode and like somehow manage to collect like archival video on it or footage or or even like set up zoom interviews um remotely with people that we want to talk to for certain topics so it's it's a hard pill to swallow because people are firstly afraid of doing something different but it's it's also like you you're always kind of like on hold like you almost want to say like it's like denying that that the reality is what it is and thinking like oh it might get better tomorrow or it might get better next month i'm just going to hold off on like trying to take a new avenue because i don't want to lose all the work i've done but depending on how long this goes for like the people are going to come out of this with some momentum the people who are using this as like prep preparatory and planning time where it's okay, how can we take what we've done so far, change some things and make it better coming out of this? Absolutely. When it comes to you filling your bucket, what are a few things, just however many you can think of off the top of your head that you can really uh, talk about that fill your bucket as a, as a human? <laughs> well, I love talking about stories. Like uh, That's why I got into filmmaking in the first place is because it's just such, a, such an endless way to tell a story you can tell you know, the hero's journey, you can tell a redemption story, um, you, can, you know, overcoming uh, insurmountable odds, David versus Goliath, that kind of stuff. So for me, it's like really, really helping translate the stories of high, high achievers, high performers. So we've been fo mostly focusing on athletes um, and, and kind of like pull the curtain back and say like, okay, like how have they gotten to where they are? What makes them exceptional? Because often like, you know, if you're living a, a 
and I don't mean this in a bad way, but like an average life, like you're going to like your, your office job Monday to Friday and there's by all means nothing wrong with that. But a lot of people see others doing exceptionally like ambitious and bold things and they just think like, oh, I could never do that or that's not me. But the reality is like everyone had to start somewhere. And so to see like, to walk it back from where this person's, you know, level of achievement is now to like how they got there for me is like a really interesting look. So I like doing that a lot. Um, but most of all, like when I do that, you know, in making a film, I really like sharing that with friends and family. I like to hear what their thoughts are because we've dissected our films for, you know, nine months to a year by the time it comes out and you get a little bit of tunnel vision. And I'm sure same way when you go to like fitness symposium or conference somewhere, right? It's like you've been so focused on doing what you do and then all of a sudden have people like give their slightly or drastically varied takes on on the same thing is really enjoyable. So, you know, for me that's that's a big that's a big thing that fills my, my spirit up. Anything else? Or is that it? You mean like are you just you just talking about life in general? Yeah, life in general. We gotta get to like the root of who is Shane? What makes Shane tick? <laughs> I like I like doing unconventional things, right? Like, and for me, like, I'm trying to I'm trying to think how best to describe this. I'm just playing with a few different avenues. Like, you know, the podcast was kind of the the genesis of this. Like, I had just started in the film industry and been doing it for six months, and then. A friend of mine asked if you you know who wants to start a podcast and i'm like hell yeah things are going so good like i just want to keep this positive momentum going and then i made the commitment to do one a week for as long as i could and ended up going 50 weeks uh almost made it a year it's very close um so yeah i mean it's just trying new things ambitious things and and um I mean, proving the proving the doubters wrong too. Like, not that there's like actual people they're doubting, but like people who didn't think you could do something. Like, you know, my high school friends being like, "Holy shit, you made a film!" Like, that's cool. So I, I like I like pleasantly surprising people. What's been your most proudest moment in the last two years when it comes to films that you've been a part of? Like, what's something that just stands out to you? Ah, uh, the premieres are always the most special. Um, the, the proudest moment, if I could dial it into like one particular moment is when we did the Grand Fear premiere in Edmonton at Rogers place. So we had almost 3000 people there. And as far as we know, that's the, that's the record for Canadian documentary film screening. We couldn't find a single one bigger than that. So to actually like walk up on stage and like be in front of hundreds of friends and family and, and just be there to like. Hey, thank you guys for coming to support us. Like, um, you know, hope you enjoy the film and then getting the standing ovation after the film. Like that was that, like that was indescribable. And the funny thing about that is, so the producer I work with Adam Scorgi, he's been doing this for over a decade and I'm relatively new to the film world. And that was my first feature documentary. And literally as we're walking out, um, of the tunnel, like up to the stage, He's like, you don't realize, he's like, you don't realize how lucky you are. Like nobody gets this kind of uh, exposure on their first documentary. Like people have to work for their entire careers to get an experience like this. So he's like, so I, I, I trust you. And he, he meant it in the nicest way. He's like, I hope you're appreciating it. And I was like, dude, I, I'm, I'm fully here. But I could tell by the look on his face, because he had never done anything like that before, how much it actually meant. So for me, that was like, all right, I see how much it means to him. So therefore, I know it's, it's got to mean a lot to me. 
That's super cool. Have you ever yeah. had a day when you've had to like really reflect on that moment? Like just like we all have our ups and our downs in our career and just in our, our mindset where we have to kind of focus on like, okay, like I achieved that and <laughs> achieving that is going to be how I prevail and move forward and achieve that next thing that feels very similar to that. Like how, how does your brain work? Well, it's re- like, it's really important. I think to, to not dwell on your past accomplishments, but use them for those periods where you need a little bit of a boost. Like, again, I keep going back to film, but it's just because it's what I've known for the last three years. But if I knew how much work it takes to make a film the first time I, I helped produce one, I like it would have been a daunting task for me. Like, I didn't realize how much go- goes into it. So it's kind of like when you set off on a trail or like a mountain and you don't realize quite how big it is. And then you get to the top, you're like, if I knew how long or hard that was going to be, I probably wouldn't have done it. But the fact that I was a little bit like a little bit naive can be a benefit sometimes. Um, so, you know, at the start of a new project now, like thinking back and be like, how special were those premieres and how, how awesome was it for people to actually care about what you're doing? Um, you know, those are the times where you reflect on it cause you go, all right, I got to buckle down. I got to do even more work on this one. So, so I can get to the next level so we can raise this project and make it even better than the last one. Um, so it's always, it's always competing with your, you're always competing with your last project, even though they're different, but you almost have to like admire slash disrespect it. You're like, you know, that, even though a project was great, you think back and you go, yeah, that project was awesome. But actually, no, that project was shit. I'm going to do way better this time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a very real process for a lot of, a lot of people that are just looking at personal development or improving. They're going to see something from like a year back or three months back, and they're going to be able to pick out the little things that they can improve upon. Having said that, when you look back to like three or six months back and the processes that you go through to come up with your projects, what are some of the things that are now like pillars in, in your process and moving forward? Mm, pillars in the process in terms of making a film. Like, well, you know, we always try and make the next project a little bit more efficient, a little bit better than the last one. Um, what we've learned is, is to really, um, I'd say to like, to not be afraid to be bold. Like, you know, in, in doing a Grant Fear documentary, you get to interview some, some really, you know, high profile ex hockey players and to not be afraid to like use that as leverage to be like, look guys, we've worked with like Messier, Gretzky, Coffee, um, you know, Anderson, like all those guys. And you're kind of, kind of like ratcheting up every project. Like then we worked on the Donovan Bailey project. So we, you know, interview guys like Lennox Lewis and, uh, and George Trombolopoulos and like building up that sort of like network of people to say like, look, like, and we always leave a good experience with those people. Like they're, you know, if they're doing a documentary for, they're doing the interview for a friend, they'll come in. They're a little, little hesitant at first because they don't know us and we've reached out to them directly either by texting or a phone call so that's kind of like strange to them in the first place especially if they've got like agents and managers but they come in and they see us and then we're just like joking around with each other on set and having fun so by the end of it they're having a blast like they're laughing with us they like you know we have to almost ask them to leave by the time it's time to pack up all our gear (laughs) because they just like you know they like like to be around the, the guys doing exciting things so um where I was going with that is that utilizing that to then kind of pick the next project and pick stories that are going to be interesting, not just someone who is really successful, but maybe someone who's got 
a great backstory as well. Succeeded despite coming from a really troubled upbringing or really uh, trying trying circumstances. So for us, um, you know, we just we can't be afraid to shoot big. Like we interviewed GSP for Michael Bisbing's documentary. And so when he retired, like a couple months after we interviewed him, I was like, shit, well, let's try and get him. So I texted him. I'm like, hey, congrats on the retirement. Uh, we should talk about doing your documentary. Because he told me when we met that uh, he didn't, he, uh, he wanted a real legacy piece that he was proud of. So we're just like, we're still working out the details with his team. They're not in a hurry to do it. So we're trying to like, trying to like get the deal done, but also like don't want to be too pushy. Um, so yeah, just, just taking chances in any way you can. And like, no is always the second best answer you can get. When it comes to, cause like we both can relate on the whole idea that we're reaching out to all kinds of different people. Like with, with this podcast, um, there's been plenty of guests that haven't had time to, to sit down and talk to me. And that's just a, a nature of the beast. Like people only have so much time in their day. Um, what, what is your approach like when it comes down to reaching out to someone that might be like a big reach, but, uh, you're just going to do it anyways. Hmm. Well, like always an, an intro to some, from someone else that knows them helps. Um, but like, I'd say I'd put, I'd put the Edmonton city councilors in that category of like, they're kind of a big reach, but I was like, screw, you know, fucking I'm going for it. Um, and so I just drafted like a pretty concise, like very like clear email of like what it was that I was doing and have your, your purpose, like being transparent with your intent, I think is really strong and powerful because people can pick up on that authenticity. So just saying like, Hey, like I'm, I said, I'm 30, like I've not given politics a second thought my whole life. Um, but I'd like to learn at the municipal level, like how this city works, like what's the role that you play? There's 12 city councillors and a mayor. Like, how do you guys all fit within one another? Like, what do you do for your ward and your district? And and what are your goals for Edmonton? And so to this point, I've done, I think, 10 out of the 12 city councillors. And the last two, I was almost about to secure a time uh, when this whole thing came down on us. So, you know, that was sort of a, those were, I'd say, kind of the biggest reach of people that I didn't have a direct connection to. But like, here's an example, like, so CBC has got this creative relief fund now that they're funding different like arts and culture um, endeavors, whether it's short film or, or dramatic scripted films or podcasts. So like, I've done 90 something episodes on my podcast. And like, it's been Edmonton focused, like I have, I've only had people who either live here or are from here and came back. Um, but I'm thinking like, maybe it's time to open it up. Maybe it's time to ask, you know, guys like Donovan Bailey or Lennox Lewis to come on the podcast. So I submitted an application to CBC and said, like, look, I've already done 90 something episodes. I want to drop the Edmonton restriction. Like we were, like I was saying earlier, like I want to connect like like high achievers with the story of how they got there so that so that people can listen and feel motivated and inspired to to try and achieve more with their lives if they want to. Um, so I said, here's, here's my list of people. And I threw out like all these celebrities and I'm like, I can, I can record with them if, uh, if you guys want to pay me some money. So I'm waiting to see how that plays out. So I might be in a position where now I'm like more out of, outside of my comfort zone where I have to message people one way or another, get in touch with them. Um, and, and really sell them on the idea of coming on this unknown guys podcast. I love that. That's like right up my alley. That's, that's the kind of things that I, uh, that inspire me to have a podcast. This is just like 
you get these opportunities to build these bonds and friendships with people you'd never expect to to have like my best example and one that uh, still warms my heart today is getting the opportunity to interview Ryan Jones for me was like yeah. super special like uh, one of my favorite Oilers of all time and I when we were doing the push-up challenges everybody was sending each other 10 push-ups he uh, took mine on and did it and I was pretty much stunned because I was <laughs> like wow like I mean, like I had him on my podcast and then we maintained some form of connection and leading up to the podcast of all of the guests that I've ever had, I can say quite confidently, he very likely listened to the most episodes before Mm -hmm. coming on the show. And I was just like, wow, like I did not expect that. And it's just for me, that's, that's what really fills my cup with doing this stuff is I get to not only speak to people that really inspire me or help me see things a different way or give me new ideas. But then I also get to sort of build this, this network of people that like in the toughest of times, I still feel like that, that support, whether they live in Michigan or California or one of my guests is he called me from Hong Kong right when they were in the middle of the pandemic yeah, and he's been traveling all over the world and to see his journey because he traveled all over the world without the use of a plane he's been stuck in hong kong for like two months wow Uh, he's been doing it for seven years i think and has nine countries to go before he's gone to every single country in the world are you serious so he's just like for seven years straight he's just been hopping around the globe yeah like container ships and uh he went on a private yacht at one point i think and (laughs) Um, he has a fiance and she comes to visit him like once, once a year or something. And in between visits, he grows out his beard. Yeah. So it's just like amidst all the uncertainty of this, I have that connection where Mm -hmm. I can like look back and see his account and like remember my conversation with him, even re-listen to the episode. But like right now he, he is doing what we are doing, making the best of every day, looking at making each day better than the day before, going on mm-hmm. hikes in the natural areas of Hong Kong. Um, mm-hmm. He's doing the push-ups too. Uh, totally unrelated. I think it's just everybody's doing push-ups, no matter who challenged them, what they're going through or where they live. But it's just uh, that insight that I get is so, so cool, regardless of like where the podcast goes um, and just how much it's impacted me as a human. As far as you with uh, your show, how has it impacted you and how you see things, how you do things? Because like I've listened to like the other day, I think I listened to like eight episodes mm-hmm. and it was just so cool to be kind of along for the journey hearing from like uh, I listened to one with a CFL player. I listened to a few of the political ones. and It was just like every single one was kind of giving me insight into life from another person's perspective and like business lessons and a better understanding of politics and everything like that. What about yourself? What was it? What was the question? What was the start of that? It was a bit of a ramble. How has the podcast shaped you essentially? Like what what, what are some lessons that have stood out? Like, honestly, like I like, and no disrespect to my guests, but I've learned more about myself through doing the podcast than I have about much else because like maybe you're the same as me, but when you're doing one a week or, you know, one every few days, like it's, it's really hard to like 
really keep that knowledge in your head. Like it's almost like you've got a finite amount of mental bandwidth and it's like, all right, I know exactly what they said. And then like a week later you've had two other podcasts. You're like, who is, who did I record with already? Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting in that sense. But what I've learned from myself is that like, there's, you're always like, there's always a resistance to doing something like, so personally, like almost every time I like, I'm about to do a podcast like that morning, I'll be like, oh, maybe I should reschedule. Uh, I don't feel like ready enough. Like maybe I'll push it back. Maybe it's more help. And I like try and fool myself. And I think maybe it's helpful for them if I push it back too. But like inevitably every time after I'm done recording, I'm so pumped up and I'm just so energized to have like had that connection one-on-one with someone. Um, So that was a big thing is like, you're always going to have resistance towards um, accomplishing something for whatever reason, like we're self-sabotaging. Um, but I, you know, I've also learned that like, you can do anything you want to do in life. So long as you are willing to make sacrifices, like we're so, we're so like narrow focused and like, what do I want to do? Like, what are my priorities in life? But like the guy you were talking about, he's traveling around the world is a perfect example. Like you can do whatever you want to do. If I want to like move to India, I could go move to India and live there for, for two years and find something to do. I just have to sacrifice, you know, my, my friendships and stuff here, but it's, it, it really has empowered me to like, just say, okay, what's my goal? What do I want to do? And then what do I need to do it? Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's been a real tool of empowerment. Um, and also like it, it's, it's almost self-esteem building in a sense. Like, like my podcast is by no means a big scope. Like I, you know, i get an average of probably 100, 150 downloads per episode, which is like small, small fish. Right. But the fact that I have a podcast, the fact that I've like decided to do something and like maintained it and, uh, and had some continuity, I find like people are like respect that a lot. And so for me, it almost like I see that I'm like, Oh, I guess that is something cool. Like, like, you know, you don't remember things you do a few years ago until someone reminds you and then you're like, oh yeah, I did do that. And it's it's really empowering to think like, man, I could do anything that I want to do if I just like make a good plan and, and I'm aware of like what I'd sacrifice to do it. Have you ever listened to some of your original episodes and heard how you've transformed? Like literally like heard yourself talk and like been able to pick out little things? God, no, I'm terrified. I would hate to go back and listen. I've only re-listened to one maybe two episodes um and that's like part of that is like i don't want to listen to myself like i i talked i you know i don't want to hear myself talk and say the same things and cringe and i know like if you want to get better you should be doing self-analysis but like for me it's really like an instinctual just go from the heart like i'll do a post-mortem after and think like what i what could i have done better like how could i have prepared better and like so yeah, no, I've only, I went, I re-listened to the Brett Kissel episode because he's just so damn charming. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he just was like, I, I think he's an awesome dude and I like what he does. So so I wanted to listen to that one again. It's probably worthwhile just because like you're, folk, you're kind of one eye, one year on the com- uh, conversation and then and then one, one kind of bit of you is thinking like, what am I going to ask next as well? So it is easy to kind of forget some of the things that, that transpired during the podcast. Um, but yeah, maybe one day, maybe like in 10 years, go back and be curious and, and, and listen to them. But as it stands right now, it's, it's not something I'm too interested in. 
Well, I mean, I'll I'll put out a challenge to you, like if because we're all gonna have like our our really driven days and our kind of meh days. And next time you're having a meh day and you're like going through your list of like things that sort of help you feel motivated and you feel tapped out of things on your list, go listen to like your episode one, even if just for five minutes. But um, every so often I accidentally, because you know how you get to your most recent episode and it cycles back to the very first episode. I've done that by accident a few times and I hear it and it's like, you gotta like, you gotta swallow the big pill of shame where it's like, oh man, like that was so amateur. But then you remember how, what has transpired, what you've gone through, the lessons you've learned, the moments you've shared. And that's pretty cool. Like that, uh, you can't get that anywhere else. And that's like a special privilege that we have as hosts of these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it's, it's always cool to see how far you've come, right? Like it's like you're, you're hiking up a mountain and like just one foot in front of the next, you know, tackle the task ahead of you. Um, but every once in a while you got to stop and like take a look back and realize how far you've come. Um, and I think like in, in an evolution of a skill or a, or a hobby or whatever you want to call it, it is what we're doing here. Um, I think that is really powerful. Um, and especially if you're looking to continually improve, like podcasts can have countless objectives, right? You could be doing it as a business. You could be doing it cause you're just curious. You could be doing it cause you want the ego boost of having lots of people listen to you talk. Right. But, uh, yeah. So just depending on like what your goals are for me, it was like about meeting people and learning about things that I would never kind of come in contact with otherwise. Right. Like, if I hadn't decided to try and talk to those city councillors, like I, w- I wouldn't know the first thing about like how Edmonton is run. Um, and it's, it's also a good example of like how learning can happen in so many different avenues, right? Like some people are better audio learners. Some people are better visual learners. Some people learn by doing things. So for me, like actually like forcing myself to research and like doing, doing, having the conversation, um, I find like is a really good way to sort of teach me um, and, and, and push me to do that. For sure. And then as far as books go, you're definitely one of the most avid book readers that I know when it comes to like seriously reading books, not just saying you're reading the books and not just like plowing through the first page and the last page and guessing the middle, but like from our conversations of past, you're going through a lot of material. What are the books that you've had the opportunity to read as of late that it really stand out to you? Well, I've, I've gone through, I don't know. So we've been in quarantine, what, three weeks, four weeks. I think I've gone through six books in that time. Um, and I've been on a little bit of a biography kick lately. So I started with Winston Churchill, who just absolutely blew my mind. Like he, what he accomplished, like what he went through, like periods of like utter failure where he fell out of politics and then got back into it. And ultimately like his career culminating in being like the prime minister of Great Britain through World War II. And, and like most, a lot of people who are in the know say that like he was a major factor in winning the war against, against Germany and the Nazis. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like I can't recommend that one enough. Like it just blew my mind. Plus he was just like an awesome guy. Like he was, he was funny. He liked to have fun with people. Like everyone said that they looked forward to the times he spoke in parliament because he would always have 
some um, indignation. He would always drop some jokes and he like ruffled the feathers of people a little bit. Um, so that was a really great one. I, I was reading Leonardo da Vinci's biography, but it's like 500, 600 pages and it goes far too deep into like the actual specifics about like some of his artwork. So I wish there was like a condensed version of that guy. I kind of lost interest in it. Um, and then I read Gucci Mane, you know him, the rapper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How in depth was that book? Yeah, you know, so the classics, Churchill, Da Vinci, and Gucci Mane. <laughs> it was it was super entertaining, man. Like it was it was cool to learn about like a whole demographic of like people from the hood and like how they look at life and like what you know, how do they perceive like you know, other groups of people and, and the law and that. So I mean, you wanna talk about like determination and tenacity, like that guy went through it all, like from growing up flat broke in the projects to like dealing drugs and and uh, then started making music and my favorite story from that is like he was about to get locked up for like a year or two I can't remember and he locked himself in his studio for a week and just binged on lean which is like purple drink and like and MDMA and just recorded like a madman and while he was in jail he he got his buddy to release it like steadily and I think he released like 10 mixtapes while he was in jail and it was just like, what a hustler mentality of someone who like, okay, we're going to do the best with the situation we've got in front of him. And like, yeah, he made a lot of mistakes, like did a lot of stupid things, but like still just kept pushing and pushing forward and like trying to figure out like, okay, what can we do given the circumstances? So that was, that one was something I wouldn't normally think of reading, but a, a friend I, I value his opinion highly recommended it to me. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Those three bios. And then also one that's really interesting is called The Captain's Class. And uh, it's it's about, it's like a, a methodological study about all like the greatest teams in the history of the world. Like, so from all sports, the only like qualifiers, it has to be like a team sport. Uh, the teams have to like interact with one another. So you like, they didn't pick like a golf team, for example, because they don't actually interact. Um, but then it went in depth, like identifying the similar qualities or like the, the, the qualities that all these captains possessed. And there was like 13 teams in like the top tier. And so like there was rugby teams and field hockey teams and volleyball and baseball and basketball. So all stuff that's like falls out of my like primary wheelhouse of hockey and to learn about all that too. Again, it's like, it's all inspiration. It's all like you, you bank it away and you might not, you might not reflect on it directly you might not be like oh this is the time babe ruth pushed through adversity but like it kind of just builds up that knowledge and that like drive to want to do more things and like want to want to be the best person that you can be that's cool yeah. aside from you you told me about how the friend recommended one of the books um what is your selection process for seeking out books like do you just look at the cover are you looking for a specific genre is it uh, names that pop out or is it just Russian roulette hand to the shelf? And just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, a, it's, it's never really the same. Like I don't get that many recommendations just because like one book that's perfect for one person is not for another. So I kind of like, I don't know, it's like very organic to tell you the truth. Like, I got the Winston Churchill book because I was reading um, Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. And he was talking, he had a chapter on Churchill and he was talking about like 
how interesting he was. So I'm like, well, I want to learn more about this guy. So I went and got the book, the ebook, of course. Um, that's how I got that one. And then like Jason Greger on Twitter recommended the captain class. And I'm like, yeah, I could read a sports book right now. So it's like, it's very like, like, um, impulse driven. Like, what am I feeling like learning about right now? The one I just downloaded today is called, um, deep work by I think Cal Newport. That's one I've had on like my list for years because I think Tim Ferriss or, or someone of that ilk recommended it. So I have like a, a, a note where I just like, anytime someone I trust or value or, or like to follow has read something, I put it on the list. And then I kind of go through that list and say like, Oh, what sticks out right now? Like w- what would pique my curiosity at this point in time? That's basically how I do it. Yeah. Like I can relate to that. I think my process for books in the past, I used to look at different businesses and see what books that they would use for just growing and developing leadership. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'll just kind of like pick one person and they are my book person. And once that book person runs out of books that I enjoy, then I pick a new book person. Like, it's just like, you just kind of, you're nomadic in the, the book life. Uh, that that's yeah. what my description would be like and andrew coates is a guy that he always posts what he reads and i i value his input a lot he always has really good picks yeah he's nailed it on a few recommendations for me a few times like i can just like it's a pretty good situation where i can walk up to the gym be pretty blunt with what i'm going through and he can be like, okay this book and i'm like all right all right <laughs> yeah he's like ask ask jeeves of books yeah Um, what's your rule like what's your rule on uh putting a book down and like and and moving on from it like do you have a certain length or like a couple chapters like or is it easy for you because like it's really hard for me to like close close a book and like forget about it if i'm not done it just because i'm a little ocd and i like to like i like to finish things that i start when it comes to because I am guilty for going through a lot of audiobooks, it's kind of changing now because I am focusing a bit more on like the the benefits that you get from sitting down and just focusing on a book outweigh the the cons of of any inefficiencies that there might be from not being able to wash your dishes at the same time. And so say if I was going to sit down and read a physical book, um Probably 100% of the time I'll read 80% of the book, if that okay. makes sense. Then well, you got through 80% and you'd give up then? That's well, crazy. <laughs> I mean, like 80% minimum with most yeah. of the instances being 100%. Yeah. And then when it's an audiobook, when I'm not really as focused or immersed, mm-hmm. and especially if it didn't cost, like say it was like uh, a promo and just a really... Uh, light read i might move on i've especially being in the the fitness world there's a lot of hocus pocus Mm -hmm. if anybody drops any kind of a quick fix on me or fad anything i'm out Mm -hmm. i don't have time for that so i'm cautious (laughs) did you ever read um ross edgley's book he's a british dude um his book is called the world's fittest book i did not is it good yeah i i read a couple chapters just and then i had to return it to the library but like I follow him on on social media and he's like hey he looks like a greek god he's just like fucking jacked to the gills he's a short little guy but just like beefy but he's all about like functional training and like i don't i don't even know how to describe it but in all his posts he'll talk about like very scientific like principles behind what it is that he's doing 
Um, and he's done some incredible challenges. So he did the world's uh, heaviest marathon where he pulled a Mini Cooper uh, 26 miles around a track. He did the world's longest rope climb. So he climbed a rope, the height of Everest in 24 hours. He did the great, uh, the great British swim. So he swam all the way around the island of Great Britain. And what he would just do is six hours on, six hours off. And he had a boat following him the whole time. So he'd swim for six hours straight, get on the boat, cram food down his gullet, and then try and sleep as much as he could, wake up and then do it again. And he's, there's a whole vlog series about it on YouTube, but he's just a guy that like, you watch him and you see what he accomplishes. And then also marry that with the fact that like, he has scientific principles behind everything that he's doing is remarkable. Like he's kind of like the anti David Goggins, like David Goggins. is just like, just override your body with your mind and just push through and don't be a pussy. Whereas Edgley's like, okay, no, like here's your metabolic rate and here's the rate of, of decay and, da, 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 and like, it's just like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. So if you're looking, if you ever want to get a fitness book, I, I'd recommend his, even I though I haven't read it. I'll look into it for sure. Like, I like that. I like to explore the realms of all the different uh, subsections of fitness. You got your bar, you got your CrossFit, you got your um, Pilates and yoga and everything under the sun. And everything has something to offer. Um, and then it's just about kind of finding where I perform best and then what I'm able to instruct the most proficiently. Because every mm. everything generally speaking, aside from any kind of thing where people get told not to eat or where they are doing something that very explicitly harms them, like diarrhea drank, but everything aside from that um, has the potential to get somebody from point A to point B. And with the overarching goal of making people feel more empowered and happier. And then the broader that uh, my understanding of that is, the the higher the likelihood that I will achieve a greater proficiency in that, that art of what we call fitness. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like every, every like activity can like be beneficial, right? Like, like you said, whether it's bar, whether it's CrossFit, like whether it's freaking like at home yoga, like, but you just got to be really wary of the people who like claim that this is the be all end all, right? Like this is the best way to do it. It's like, dude, if you think that's the best way you're, you're out to lunch, like a, what are your goals? Be like, what do you have available to you? And like, see what can you actually keep up for any, any indefinite amount of time? Cause like they always say the best workout regime or the best diet is the one that you can stick to. I'm we're, you know, I'm fortunate that like, I just, I started working out at such a young age that like, it just has become part of like my routine. Like, but I remember like when I started working out when I was 15 or 16 and I did it cause I was a chubby kid and, and this girl picked my jacked buddy over me to date. And so I was like, well, I'm never losing a girl to not being in shape again. So that was like, that was my story into fitness. But I remember like, really having to psych myself up to go to the gym and like looking for excuses not to go now, like fast forward 15 years, like there better, there has to be a damn good reason to keep me from going. And like it's a pandemic. It, <laughs> That's like pretty a pandemic, much it. Right. And now like getting into the home workouts that there was a lot of resistance to that too. Like it was like, 
God, do I really want to do this? Is it going to be as much as, as effective as going to the gym? And, but you, you just, you learn to like it. You learn to, you learn to challenge yourself in one way or another. Okay. I did a hundred pushups today. I'm going to do 150 the next time I do pushups or 200. And, um, I started running again, like for the first time, I think I told you, but it's, yeah, it's cool. Like when you break past that first, like five or six times that you go, and then you start like seeing the progress and like tracking on your, on your smartwatch, like, okay, like my heart rate was lower. I went further for faster now. And then it's like, like it excites you and it makes you look forward to going. And it's a great example of how like everything in life is just your mindset. And it's just like, how are you perceiving this obstacle in front of you or this thing that you have to do? Um, and if you can find reasons to look forward to it or like relish it, maybe that reason is like a chip on your shoulder and you're just like, fuck you workout. I'm going to, I'm going to crush you and I'm going to do it better than the last one. Even if you're not enjoying it, as long as you can get that mindset, right. It, it can make it a more positive experience or at least a more efficient experience. So out of everybody I've talked to in the last week, I would have to say you have most, one of the best like mindsets, like as far as like forward thinking. Can you think of any obstacles that you have? Does do does anything ever get in your way? I'll tell you one. I just this quote, and this is a fucking big one. It's it's actually a nightmare. But when we fund our documentaries, we um, the Canadian Media Fund gives to all the registered Canadian broadcasters. So they give X number of million dollars to CBC and X number of million dollars to Bell and and Rogers. Um, and we we do a lot of our documentaries through, through Super Channel. Well, I just got a text that said Super Channel has CMF money to give Jared. And that's always the big portion of our of our budget in financing these things. So I don't know how we're going to deal with this. Like, honestly, we have three great projects that we're going to get going right now. And if they don't have CMF money, like that puts a huge wrench in the gears of this of this kind of process that we're, we've been building over the last few years. So, yeah, I'm going to tackle that one as soon as I get off the computer um, with you and, and we'll see what happens. Damn, that's a spicy obstacle. Same, <laughs> man. Like movies still need to get made. Like you, you got to do it. Okay, so here's a good one. Like one that like ran its full course. So last year I did a short political doc on um, U.S. funded anti-Alberta oil sands campaign, and I want like I thought when I was working with this uh, woman that you know we should take a year to do this. We'll go the normal funding routes. We'll apply to broadcasters. Yada yada. yada. And she's like, no, no, no. I want this done in like three months. And I'm like, well, three months, like how are we going to get the money for that? Like, what are we going to do? Like no one moves that quickly. You have to do application process, which takes weeks. They only have particular windows that it's over that you apply. So I was like, I don't have any experience in how to do this. She was like, well, why don't we just start a GoFundMe and get people to donate? And I was like, I know from, from other people telling me, like it's really hard to raise money and GoFundMe. Um, but I was like, Hey, let's try it. Let's go for it. So we set a, uh, we set a goal of 150,000, which was like bare bones. Like, like there is no fluff in this budget and we got to it in three weeks, which is crazy. And we're like, all right, that was new. Let's, uh, let's make this film. So it's, you know, there's always a way. And I would say like, anyone can do anything. You just have to figure out what you want to do. And then like work backwards from that, figure out the steps. Like if you or me wanted to be a doctor, it would take a damn long time, but we could do it, right? Like, say you had shitty marks in your undergrad and you had to upgrade those to get into med school. Well, you 
take a couple of years of classes that you're going to smash out of the park and then apply to med school and then another eight years in your doctor, right? Or you yeah. want to travel around the world and go to every country. Well, this guy found a way to do it that fit his budget. That's, you know, hop on shipping containers and, and, and other people's yachts. And like the interesting thing is like people are all, there's a lot of people out there who are willing to help other people um, reach their goals. And, and their level of assistance that they provide can vary. Like if you're requiring something little of someone, maybe your, your inspiration, your motivation for doing what you're doing is enough. But a lot of the times what works better is like providing something for them first or like something of equal or perceived greater value. So it's like, you know, you, you want, um, you know, you want someone to agree to do a documentary with you. It's like, all right, well, like, what are you going to do for them? Like, how are you going to promote their brand first? And, and so that's a big way that we're able to secure people for, for our films is that like, look, A, we're going to pay you, B, we're going to make you a partner, but C, like, like people are going to get like a real inside and like intimate look at your life. And that's only going to do good things for you. Cause like everyone's story makes sense in their own head. Um, but a lot of the times it doesn't make sense to the world around them. So to, to really be, you know, like if you could have done like a, a behind the scenes, like along the way, um, documentary about hitler i'm sure his logic would make sense to everyone like yeah he's got the premise completely fucked up but like you know you you understand what he was doing a little bit better so i mean that's obviously one of the most extreme examples you can make but you know that that journey is really interesting and and again like some of the people who have achieved the most success have had to overcome the most uh the biggest barriers well i mean we, we talked about that obstacle where you conveyed a lot of emotion. That's what gets me pumped up because I'm like, oh, man, you just wait until he overcomes this obstacle because it's going to be great. And yeah, you heard it first. Yeah, we got it on air and everything. But here's here's the thing that excites me most. Like I, as like your friend, have heard you li- like listen to the stories of politicians and listen to the stories of people with struggling businesses and with addictions and all kinds of stuff. And you have the tools in your toolkit and you can use all of that stuff to pivot and talk to like, like there's so much opportunity out there with YouTube, with all of the, the streaming services, with Twitch, everything like that. It's going to be cool to revisit this whole conversation two years from now and mm-hmm. then see what happened. Yeah, it's, it's true. Again, like don't be married to any particular platform or format. Like if you're a creative person, like there's so many outlets, right? Like, you had all those creators on Vine and then Vine went down and now now they've you know they've taken over Snapchat and, and now they're taking over TikTok. It's like don't be don't be married to any one particular way of doing things. Like let your let your inspiration, your message like transmit through different avenues. And I think uh, that's that's the one of the key to long term success. Not that I would call my success so far long term, but that's the plan is to get there. For sure. So at this point in your life, if you had one piece of advice on how to live a life fully and authentically, what would that piece of advice be? Um, I'd say the best way to do that is to, to think, do a lot of self-reflection and a lot of like very, very concerted um, meditation on like, what exactly do you want out of life? Like, what are your goals? Because there's so many opportunities in the world and, and I, I've just seen a lot of people like fail to pick a path, like pick a target. Um, doesn't matter if you get to that target and it doesn't matter if you change your target along the way. But like so many people just have this kind of 
this kind of nebulous idea of what they want their life to be, but they don't sit down and go like, okay, like I want to buy a house that's got four bedrooms. So that's going to cost me $600,000 in order to get that. I have to have a down payment of this. And then I've got to have a mortgage of this and I need to cover that. So how am I going to cover that? Okay. I need, I need to pay for something. I need to pay for this. So should I, should I work a job that's going to pay me a lot that I don't love? Or should I find something that's going to take me a little bit longer to get to my financial goal, uh, but that I enjoy along the way? And what are the positives and negatives of each of that? Like, if you're working a job you hate in the short term, like, that can probably only negatively affect, like, your personal relationships and, and your mindset. Um, but just overall, like, people are so afraid to pick a target because we're, we're afraid to fail. Like we're really afraid of that, like kick to the ego that said, like you tried to do this and you didn't. Um, but I mean, again, like every successful person has countless examples of that. So, I mean, really be conscientious about like what it is that you're pursuing. Like, and then like when you do that, everything becomes more clear. Like every opportunity becomes either something that's going to bring you closer or further away from that goal. Say you're someone who struggles because you, you go out all the time and you're drinking on the weekends and you just like, you know, you shouldn't, but you really like, you know, you really enjoy it and you wake up hungover every day and all that stuff. Um, but if you've got a really specific target in mind of whether it's a health related target or financial related target or even like a relationship target with people, you can easily look at those nights of going out and say, Oh, hold on. That's actually getting me further away from what it is that I want to accomplish. So why would I bother doing it? Right. So it's we're filled with things in life that where the world is filled with things that just offer immediate gratification, but no long term longevity. Um, so when you have a real specific target in mind, those decisions become much easier to make. So true. Um, I'll talk to you real quick after we close this off. But before I do, I'd like to thank you for joining me for the second edition of, of our <laughs> podcast together. Chris, I want to thank you, man. Again, like I just, I'm, I'm floored by, by everything that you've done. And I know, you know, we've, we've talked in the car that one time you picked me up from the airport, um, about your sort of journey. And, and I knew that you had, I knew you had it in you to, to accomplish the things that you wanted to do. Um, but man, you've gone through a lot of stuff in your life and, and I'm just, I'm really grateful to see that you're doing well and, and I want to see you continue to, to keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. So thank you for listening to my conversation with Shane. My challenge for you is to go find his stuff. Go like, we got all the time on our hands to be able to go on to Apple movies and check out his film of Grant Fear. You can go, if you are a Sportsnet subscriber, you should be able to have access to his film with McDavid. Um, if you are more of a current events person, you can find his Over a Barrel documentary. There's plenty of material that you can learn more about him. And on top of that, be sure to check out his podcast. If you're local to Edmonton, there's going to be a lot of people that you know. And if you're local to Edmonton and you don't know anybody on there, then you're going to know even more people. And then if you're not local to Edmonton, it's still people. It's still conversations. And I know I'm like throwing all kinds of podcasts at you, but time is something that we have a lot of for most of us. And so it's worthwhile. Your challenge for today is I want to know who is an athlete, a professional athlete that inspires you. And drop it down in the comments of the post on the at the lifestyle chase page on Instagram. 
Thank you for listening. If you would like to get a hold of me, you can follow me at Christian Little on Instagram. And we'll catch you next time.